Hello and welcome to MindQuest. I am your host, Miguel Morales, and this is Mission Control Center. Hello and welcome one more week to Mission Control Center, your one-stop shop for IT careers and recruitment advice. This week we interview APAP expert Martin Fisher, who is a business and SAP portfolio manager at Bridging IT, an SAP mentor, and a host of the SAP Coffee Corner radio podcast. Keep listening to hear how he got started with SAP and learn more about the career path of an SAP consultant. Visit mindquest.io slash blog for the full interview, where you can explore our many resources for IT professionals, including a guide on how to become an S4HANA expert. But without further delay, let's welcome Martin. Welcome, Martin. Thank you so much for joining us today. How did you get started within the SAP ecosystem? I started to become interested in, the, in that computer stuff, uh, technology stuff when I was 16 or 17, rather late, I, I would say. At that time, I was about to start an apprenticeship in business administration at a wholesaler for tires and other technical products. And as I had some visual basic for applications lessons in, in school before, I started to support them with writing a, a macro in Excel or in Access. I don't even remember for sure. The head of department got interested in, in my skills at that time. And they were about to start an SAP project to yeah, implement SAP FI. It was uh, the release for 6C and it's, it's been uh, 20 years right now. Of all the career paths available within SAP, why did you choose a BAP? I was working in that project for one and a half years, uh, took over the responsibility to to running that system. A year after that, I decided to study computer sciences and, and business. During my studies, I became more interested in um, software development and I thought, okay, yeah, I have that background in SAP. There's a need for ABAP developers and why not looking for a job in that area? And so I did. And what has been your career trajectory as an SAP consultant since then? I joined um, consultancy in Zurich after my studies was there for about a year, then I moved over to Capgemini, was there for three years, and now I'm almost 10 years with Bridging IT. And yeah, I left a bit the development or the, the developer space, uh, moved to more architectural stuff right now, and also team responsibility. So yeah, not not doing the programming stuff for the whole day. And But yeah, it's still my roots and I still like it to, to dig into the technology details. What are the biggest challenges you faced when transitioning into this more managerial role? Becoming the, the team lead of my former colleagues. A few of them have much more experience than I have. So it was a bit a challenge for me, I guess not that much, or at least I had the feeling not much for them. But for me personally, it was the difference. And the second one was caring more about other people in, in many aspects, consulting, yeah, finding the right project assignments for, for my team colleagues was in the beginning a bit hard because yeah, I won't say it's a real sales role, but at least pre-sales. And that part was hard in the beginning to learn and also to accept that I don't have that much time anymore to focus on my technology topics, uh, rather having uh, multiple topics uh, during the day around and uh, find the, the time to concentrate on, on what I'm doing and to accept that I will over time lose the deep knowledge on the latest technologies. But now, after more than four years, I accepted it and I, I'm fine with it. <laughs> and what about the highlights? 
What do you enjoy most about your new role? The possibility to drive things in the direction I want to, or which I think is the correct one. Of course, I don't decide that all by my own, but I have a bit more influence than earlier. I also enjoy very much uh, the interaction with customers. So the, the challenging pre-sales thing in the beginning turned more into a thing I really like. Got much more confident in this discussions the first Price, you were very nervous, uh, at least I was. It uh, Nowadays, it, it became more of a routine, and I actually really like that. What do you value more, certifications or experience? It gave a solid foundation, but I have to say there are many things you have to learn for the certification exam you never need again. And that's actually one thing why I'm not really convinced that doing many certifications is a real proof of qualification or knowledge. I'm quite sure you can do the certifications if you do a proper preparation for them, uh, learn the stuff they will ask you for, but you will not really be able to work with the technology you are certified with. I rate experience higher than, than certifications. And when does pursuing a certification make sense? I would say at the point in time I did my certification as a junior, it was a good thing to have it because especially if you work for a consultancy, it helps to get you better project assignments. Some customers are still looking for it. But in the development area, I don't see the need to do all certifications coming with the technologies. Sometimes you have to do it as a partner, of course, to support your partner status as well. That's another reason why, why sometimes you have to do them. But from a personal careers perspective, I'm not that big fan of certifications. There are better ways to get a deeper understanding of what you are doing, doing small projects, do a POC, get your hands on, on the, the latest technology somehow. You're an SAP mentor. What is the mentors program like? The program changed a lot over the last three, four years. I guess I'm now in my fourth year almost finished with it. Or there's a new program called SMP Champions, which took over the community focus and the focus to the outside community. The mentors program now focuses more on providing feedback for SAP on certain topics. It's an honor to work with all that uh, other mentors in, in one team because they are all very experienced and also the international aspect is very valuable for me because uh, you get also a few of the things from from the States or from Australia or from Asia. Many things are different in different countries. What career advice would you give to other SAP and IT experts in general? I think uh, stay curious and, and uh, never stop learning is very important and um, do what you like to do. So I really like my job and I cannot imagine in investing so much time in something I don't really want to do. I think that's very important, more important than more money or whatever. If you have passion for your job, um, I think uh, the money, at least in the technology area, comes along. <laughs> Thank you, Martin. Best of luck and until next time. And now, this is what happened in technology this week. Another week, another global internet outage. The websites of several banks, gaming platforms, and well-known services were down for over an hour on Thursday. The list of affected companies includes names as big as Airbnb, PlayStation, or British Airways. All companies with the same content delivery network provider, Akamai. The exact nature of the incident remains unknown, but normal operations resolved after Akamai issued a fix for its HTNS service. 
Yet another reminder of the dangers of a centralized internet. And moving on to other news. In case you haven't heard, quantum is the next big thing. According to a new study by Accenture, British large companies are very much aware of this, with over 80% of them already scaling up their quantum computing capabilities in preparation for the future. With this new focus, the UK is set to lead the world's efforts to harness quantum power to maximize business outcomes, although it will be some time before the tech is actually usable. And finally, DeepMind's unveiling of AlphaFold less than a year ago immediately made global headlines. All of a sudden, this AI-based prediction tool was able to solve one of the biological science's long-standing problems, determining the structure with which proteins fold. In an effort to help advance research, DeepMind has just made available for free a database with almost all protein structures the human body can produce. All the nearly 20,000 structures come from predictions made by the tool and worth the number of protein structures that we have been able to decode manually since research began in the 1950s. And that's all for this week. Make sure to follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn at MindQuest Talent and on Twitter at MindQuesting. Thank you for listening. And until next time.